Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast, where every week we take a different topic to do with work and explore the ups and the downs, some ideas for action, and some tools to try out that we hope will help you to navigate your career with that bit more confidence and clarity. It's National Careers Week at the moment in the UK, and that's inspired us to have four different episodes this week. We've had four squiggly career conversations that we hope will give you a window into someone else's world of work. And they have been so varied and brilliant and inspiring. So I'm so glad that we decided to do something a little bit different. Our conversations this week include Helen talking to Jim McLeod. He's a Royal Navy Rear Admiral who shares some brilliant examples of squiggling and staying in perhaps a sort of organisational structure that, that might not feel that easy to do that in. I talked to Eric Sim, who is a real inspiration. His career story is full of resilience and bravery. From starting out working with his dad, aged 10, selling street food noodles, to becoming an MD of an investment bank. And he now runs an organisation called the Institute of Life. Definitely worth listening to that. And then finally, you'll hear Helen talk to Simon Mundy, brilliant BBC journalist. And he talks a bit about progression and how to create, not wait for career opportunities to come your way. And so today you're going to hear my conversation with Steph Douglas, the founder of Don't Buy Her Flowers. I followed Steph on Instagram for a while and I really appreciate how honest she is about the realities of running her own business and how it works and at times doesn't work with the rest of her life. And she shared some career advice for our latest book, You Coach You, which really just made me laugh. She talks about it's okay to have beans on toast for dinner again and that really resonated with me. So I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation and I'll be back at the end with some useful resources if you're thinking about exploring where your career could take you. So Steph, thank you so much for joining me for today's Squiggly Career Conversation. I'm really looking forward to learning more about the twists and turns of your career so far. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So I say let's start at the beginning, but I really am going to sort of start at the beginning, but we'll speed up quite quickly. But I would love to know when you were growing up, can you remember ever thinking or ever being asked, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you ever remember sort of feeling like, oh, I'd love to be a ballet dancer or I'd love to run my own business or I'd love to be a scientist? I definitely didn't have any interest in doing my own thing. So that was <laughs> completely out of the blue. But no, I loved writing like even when I was really young I can remember being probably in the equivalent of like year two or something and writing like a 10 page story and it getting pinned oh. on the wall I loved writing and I think I thought journalism or something like that would be a good place to go or a tv presenter that was the other thing oh. so I used to do a lot of that in my room on my own you know, <laughs> like imagining yourself introducing the 
top of the pops and stuff. What was your first job and how close was that to TV presenter slash journalist? When I was a teenager, I think I just really wanted to get working and earning money. So Have I your own to, money, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. But I used to get an allowance, so I was quite independent in a way for a kid. I had cleaning jobs. I used to have three houses on, like, in a close that I used to clean for when I was about 14. Right, okay. <laughs> I stacked shelves in boots, waitressed in a coffee shop with my, one of my really good mates who now works at Don't Buy Her Flowers oh. on a Saturday and then was also doing the cleaning. So I did quite a bit. Oh, so there you might not have thought about like kind of doing your own thing. You were sort of, that's quite entrepreneurial, isn't it? You know, like that that initiative to think, oh, I want to be independent and I want to take take initiative. And so then when you sort of started, what was your first that you would might consider like your your proper job or when you felt like perhaps you were like, oh, this is a, this feels like this is my career or maybe I've chosen now to be in this industry? Yeah. So when I was at uni in Cardiff, I was in my second year and I went to, it's probably the only sensible thing I did. <laughs> I went to a careers talk and it was the government news network, government communications, basically, as it was, which doesn't exist now. And they were talking about all the skills you needed to do kind of press office and communications working in government. And I was like, oh, well, that feels like those are skills that suit me. I literally went to one talk <laughs> and I applied to the Cardiff office to do like a little, like it was, I think it was about three mornings a week doing a couple of hours. So I did that whilst I was at U in my third year and it was like cutting clippings from newspapers. <laughs> so it was very much pressed, very, very junior press office type stuff. And then I applied to their Bristol office. So straight from uni, I went into work in communications. So from having that experience at a very young age, like you said, you were only 21. What did the next few years then hold for you in terms of your career? Is that something you kept doing or did you sort of start to squiggle in different directions? So I did, I did the press office side of it for a while. And then in doing that, I got slightly involved in kind of more marketing. It was still under government stuff, but more um, marketing campaign stuff. They had Frank, which was a drugs campaign. Yeah, I remember. Well, yeah, so I was working on that in the Southwest. That's for the Home Office as part of this role. And I started to see more opportunity in that. Yeah, I think the difference, the the choices about specialism versus generalism in our careers, I always think are really interesting. And I think perhaps stereotypically, there's a sense that, you know, you maybe start off in your career more specialist and then as you progress, you become more generalist. But I do hope now that we're sort of breaking down some of those barriers of you have to do certain things in certain orders, like I am more specialist in my career now than I have ever been. I did sort of get more generalist and then I, I've sort of chosen to get more specialist. And I think people often feel like they have to put themselves in one of those boxes, like I'm a specialist or I'm a generalist. Whereas actually, I think often it's a bit more about following what you're motivated by or what you find meaningful. And sometimes that looks more specialist or more generalist. I think it probably makes you better either way, that you yeah. either have an expertise in one area but or if you do the generalist bit, then you can kind of see how the other bits around that specialism works. So I think it obviously benefits to have both. And when you're reflecting on your career now, so in terms of where you are now, and we'll talk a bit more about like what you do day to day now, what do you look back on and think, wow, that was actually a really brave decision that I made? I think it was choosing to do the business on my own. I had the idea, so I'd had my first baby, I received loads of flowers and <laughs> and I very quickly saw that 
that was a trend. That was what people buy for someone mm-hmm. who's had a baby. And now I know it's just what people buy for lots and lots of occasions. And there's there's gifts that can be more thoughtful. And so I had this idea and I, and I went back to work. I had another baby and I went back to work. But I was talking to people as if I was almost looking to do it with somebody else. And I had a okay. really friend who's still a really good friend. And we talked about it. And one of my husband, Doug's mates, we had conversations about it. Because I think I just felt Ner- really nervous to mm. do that on my own it was like I can't possibly do this on my own I need someone else I, I can't do that and actually I ended up realizing that I had a lot of the skills that I knew that I needed and I couldn't quite see what were the gaps and I don't mean at all that I know everything mm-hmm. but I couldn't quite work out what it was that I'd need from the other person because I didn't know at that point what it was to run a business um, and now I've got a team who are lots of them are better at lots of bits than I am but at that point it didn't feel quite right and I had two small children so I was kind of thinking I don't know yet what my pattern's going to be my working pattern and if I'm doing that with someone else how is that going to fit together and I'm imagining in those early days were you doing everything (laughs) it makes me appreciate even more my team because you can identify something that needs doing and you know that someone else is responsible for getting that done and that feels really good when you've done it yourself so I did The first couple of years, I was mostly on my own. About nine months in, I had somebody packing boxes because I realised that I was, as it was growing, I was spending all my time packing boxes. So I couldn't, I wasn't looking at the big picture. I wasn't looking at what goes next. And someone was like, you you shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) And then also I had about a year in, one of my best friends was kind of saying, oh, you need a PA. And actually I was like, I don't, but I do need someone to do all the customer services. And that was, again, a, a good move in that. I was becoming so in the detail of customer services, which is quite stressful when it's your own business. Yeah. It's so personal. And now I have a team to share it all with. Um, and my brother is our head of operations. And so he's very much in the business um, and has equity and that kind of thing. But I know it was right that I did it on my own. Has there ever been a time where you've thought this is not for me or this felt too hard or any uh, kind of what have been some of those turf, we sometimes call them the knotty moments within your squiggly career. There were always those knotty moments. And I think certainly my own experience of running your own company, those often it gets described that the highs are higher and the lows are lower. I think that first couple of years is just, it's such a steep learning curve. And also because I was on my own, I, well, I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't, like I said, I'd never thought of, I was going to be some sort of business owner and I it took a while to learn that you need to stop and reflect on where where you've been and what you've Mm. achieved and reflect and actually I've got a friend and he's started a business about a year ago and he was like I need help because I I can't stop I I just feel like this nervous anxiety the whole time about what I need to do and I was like you have to stop you have to be able to stop and go look at all these things I've done because he's doing really well his business is going great so he, it's almost like an additional pressure that you really don't need. That's interesting because we sometimes talk about when you think about your resilience reserves, like what contributes to you being resilient and, and, and topping up those resilience reserves. And I think often it is other people play a really big part in that. So being confident enough, I think, and brave enough sometimes to ask for help, sometimes realising that you don't need to do it all by yourself. And I think that transition of letting go isn't an easy one you know you're you're further into your sort of business journey than certainly we are but you know I've, I've noticed that when you get other people to support you which you you know is a good thing and you really appreciate the skills that people bring there's also that letting go that, that you have to do because you did it 
before and part of you you're so committed to it because it's yours and you've you've created it I know people say like there's a lot about not working with friends and family and the stresses that that involves but I think because so as I say my brother is our head of operations two of my oldest best mates since I was 11 have worked in the business for a few years and I had marketing I used to work with so we were friends they have a drive that it might not be, you know, I don't expect them to live or die by it in the same way that I might, <laughs> but they have, they are committed. They're so committed. They have this drive and this passion and excitement watching it, you know, like mm. the last couple of years, the business was mad uh, overnight, you know, 600% up on the year before. Right. Wow. <laughs> Which was amazing, but also massively challenging. And they were all in it with me, you know, and I don't know if I could find that just from anyone there will be people obviously who work like that but I don't know how I would have even started to find that and also you could bring someone in and then get into a couple of months ago they don't have that same drive Mm -hmm. and I think that's really helped having that I think you've started to touch on it because you can hear it as you describe your experiences what are you most proud of in the past seven years like what do you look back on and you said you know you've got a lot better at thinking about almost the successes we call them the very small successes that you have day to day week to week we need to get better at spotting and shining a spotlight on those very small successes but generally when you kind of sit like in the here and now and you sort of press pause what are those things that feel like they kind of bubble to the surface in terms of those proudest moments I think for me it's probably the team and how we've developed like this business has grown piece by piece since the beginning it was me packing in my spare bedroom and now there's a warehouse with a forklift truck and they have to have a forklift (laughs) truck license and like you know it's very different but we've done it incrementally step by step and and the team have done that as well and a lot of them have been around for a good few years and so they've evolved with it and I think what I do feel particularly proud of is that we've got people in the business who I don't think other people necessarily saw their potential or they didn't see it in themselves. And so you have someone who came, who joined to do six hours a week of packing boxes because she was a photographer, freelance photographer, and that was her passion. And she's now like a creative who does all the website photography. She manages the website. She does loads of the social media stuff and, and materials and all that stuff. And because we, we, you know, you're looking at someone's CV and going, they've got loads of other stuff on here. And that's yeah. actually really like throughout the business, we've got that and during the, especially the first lockdown, we had a load of people who came in who were either furloughed or their jobs didn't work with the pandemic. And we obviously needed more people for packing. And so they came into packing, but you'd see like a drive in them or look at their CV again and go like, they've got all these skills, which might mean they've never done this job whatever it corporate sales but you can see that they would be able to do that so we've ended up with this team of people who are in it because of their drive and skills and and the culture like who they are and it's and it's not always easy because managing people has become a massive part of my job and there's always something because yeah we're all human right so there's (laughs) things going on for people all the time and it might be something really personal and that is work and life it's very hard to you know completely separate them yeah, seeing that, I think being being there and seeing the team and and knowing that they're really in it and they are doing things that they might not have done otherwise. I, I love that. Like I was talking to my husband about it last night and it, that makes me really proud because I just, I, and I want to be able to reward them and I want them to feel good about 
their jobs and and like we had you know I try and sit down with everyone and it's something again I didn't have to do a couple of years ago because the team was really small and now it's sitting down with everyone and having just a bit of time and including you know everybody that's a really good answer and it's so nice to listen to because it's it's such a brilliant example as well of you know the not being too fixed about what someone's done before and how do you look after you so one of the things that I observe, and I don't think this is unique actually to people running their own companies. I think sometimes that's a mistake to think, oh, well, it's it's more full on or it's more always on if you run your own company. I think people have just as full on jobs in, in organisations. But I do think all of us sort of have that challenge of feeling like we are probably more always on than we've ever been before, that there's sort of more in our lives that we're trying to make work and fit together at kind of any one point in time. And I interviewed a brilliant clinical psychologist at the start of the year about resilience. I said, if you do one thing, like what's what's the one thing you should really do? And he did talk about the importance of sort of doing at least one thing every day, like for yourself to look after your own mental health is we spend a lot of time doing things for other people or to build our businesses. But kind of that, like, what is that one thing that's kind of for you? And so many people, when we ask that question, suddenly have that realization of oh I kind of don't have that one thing that's that's just for me but I was just I'm just interested to hear a bit about you know there must be times where you have felt super stressed and overwhelmed and you've got three kids and there's like there's an awful lot happening so how do you kind of look look after you I think probably it's it sounds it's pretty boring but I think it would be (laughs) like eating well trying to make sure you sleep so switching off by a certain point and exercise Mm. if I'm doing all those things generally my head is just a bit clearer and I can cope one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think when you make conscious choices about your time, you feel very differently about it versus if you feel like it's happening to you. And often I think sometimes you almost get this kind of, it's like a creeping effect where because you just do add things on, suddenly 
it's kind of all consuming, but you sort of feel like you have no control over your time. And I think the relationship between how controlled we feel about our time, how in control we feel about our time is a really important one. So if you've made choices about going, okay, well, I'm not going to do that thing or I'm not going to get involved in the school, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I'm spending time over here. Like I worked, I worked a four-day week before I had my little boy and I work a five-day week now. And so everyone always thinks like that relationship is going to be the opposite way around. But, but I'm like, well, no, because... I need to work a five day week at the moment to make our business work. And we're a small business that's growing quickly. And also I love it. So I'm unapologetic about the fact I'm now working five days because that's what I, that's what I want to do. Like that's my choice. And that works for you. And and in the same way, if somebody does want to be at home five days a week, that shouldn't be a discussion for anyone either. That's completely an individual choice. I suspect a lot of people who will choose to listen to this will be people who maybe know, don't buy her flowers, or certainly have perhaps read about you in the business that you run, and perhaps themselves have their own business idea. You know, lots of people have that, you know, that a bit like you were saying, you had the idea when you were still working and you started to talk to people and you were sort of exploring and investigating it. So I think lots of people sort of sit around kind of with that idea in their head and that feeling like that moment of where you decide to go for it or to go this is what I want to do what advice would you give to people who are listening who have maybe got an idea but are just not sure whether to take the plunge because I think it often does feel like such a big deal moving from being employed to starting up your own thing and you always hear those stats and I never know if they're true but everyone's like 80% of businesses fail in the first year. And it's like, well, if we really wanted to scare people away from running their own thing, that's a great stat to start with. So what advice would you give to people? I think passion is really important because it will consume you. If it's going to go well, it will consume you. And I suppose in that same stretch, support around you and knowing Mm. that, so that could be your partner or it might be friendship groups or something. And you don't need everybody to know what you're doing. I very much kept it to quite a small group. It was a couple of mates, one ex-colleague, Doug. I don't think I even really spoke to my parents or anything because actually you don't need lots and lots and lots of opinion. Mm. If anything, that might slow you down because then you start hearing... Too many thoughts. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) hundred. And I've had I had loads of people say, "Mm, I don't know about that idea. It's like, well, I don't need to know. You know, I I believed in it. And I had a group of people who did. So I think that support's really important. But also, and again, this is a bit of a boring tip, but I think writing a business plan, I personally found it really, really helpful because my background was very much brand and marketing. I had no understanding of retail, finance, scaling. There was just huge gaps in my knowledge that if I didn't hadn't written that sat down kind of with those you know a business plan that's got headings that you've got to fill in basically yeah yeah then it made me think of things or speak to somebody who did understand those things like Doug works in finance so he's been amazing at that part of the business and so it just made me have to think about it and it's just a really lovely document to have. I found mine the other day and like my first business plan. And actually, it's not terrible. It wasn't that far off. Like That's good. Yeah, yeah. But I think it, it feels like quite a historical document in a way. But yeah, I would say, I mean, you don't have to write it down, but you've got to consider all those bits because you'll also then spot where your gaps are. So that then tells you what is going to be your first And I say hire, but it might be that it's a friend who gets involved for a couple of hours a week. And I think that's another thing that's really important. 
I, the thought of hiring anybody felt so massive that I think I did put it off for slightly longer each stage than I needed to. But actually, there's loads and loads of people who work flexibly or want flexible work and want to do a few hours or yeah. but they have the skills because previously they, you know, worked in a job and had full-time job or whatever. There's this whole pool of people who are brilliant. That is really important, I think, because then it's not such a big deal. If you think, oh, that first step, I need to hire somebody and it's a full-time job and I've got yeah. a salary and a pension and all that stuff, that's too much. Yeah, we've been the same. Everybody who's come and worked with us has always worked flexible hours, Usually, sometimes that's freelance because people are really keen to stay freelance. Sometimes they want to try out, we all want to try out working together. And so, yeah, not putting that pressure on yourself to feel like sometimes I think particularly because we all come from probably an employed world first. There are some people who only ever work for themselves, but I think most people you have worked for in, in an organisation first. And so you see one model. You see one model of a way of working. And one of the things that we use when you talk about business plan, actually, it reminded me in case people are looking for a free resource, we use Lean Canvas and you can download a Lean Canvas for free. And it's got seven boxes, exactly as you've described. So it's got seven boxes to fill in. And I remember Helen and I filling in those seven boxes when we both still got full-time jobs and realising that we didn't know the answer to at least half of those half of those boxes. And we were like, oh, yeah, I don't, don't know that one, to be honest. Not, not really thought about that. And it made us ask ourselves some really important questions. And I think the other thing that really helped us when we were making that decision, because I think you were saying you felt like you maybe held on too long before employing people. I think we both held on too long to our corporate lives because we were so committed to them. We probably had proved the idea and then couldn't let go for a bit. You know, this that idea of kind of letting go of an old identity that you'd spent quite a long time building up. And I think the thing that really helped us was any way you can find when you're starting something to prototype, does the idea work? You know, does the the concept work? Are people going to buy it? Because for us, we were in the position, which I think, like yourself, we've not taken any investment. You know, it's it's you're building it from scratch. The cash flow bit, which we knew very little about, but kind of has to stack up. It has to work because you're not getting any cash from anywhere else. You have got to be able to, well, certainly in our case, we have paid ourselves from day one and we've got to be able to pay everyone else and we feel very, very kind of responsible for that. And is that still is that still true for you for Don't Buy Our Flowers? We've had some loans that we've paid back at different points, which, yeah, essentially for cash flow. Um, yeah. But that was something I really didn't understand. And that was no, a was big, <laughs> big thing that my husband had to really sit me down a number of times at the beginning and it would lead to huge rows because I'd be like, we'll just buy up loads of stock so we're not going to run out. It's fine. And he's like, no, that's not yeah. how it works. So, yeah, that's, it's a, a big learning for sure. And just to finish our time together, we always ask all of our Squiggly Career guests the same question to finish. Now, you have already given us a bit of career advice for UKHU and you've given everyone loads of advice as they've been listening. But if you were to leave people with one, either like a bit of words of wisdom or just some insight or an idea that you found really helpful in your career, what's the final thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with? I think it's probably a point that I've already mentioned, but I think especially for women, but I guess it does work for everyone that you can't run a business and do everything else you did before. So Steph, thank you so much for joining us today on the Squiggly Careers podcast. Uh, I've wanted to chat to you for ages. We've sort of known each other from a distance, I feel. That's the, the joys of social media. We went to an event that, that was 
just before the pandemic. I do. I really remember because, and you'll find this, you'll make, well, maybe you'll find this funny, but I remember being quite intimidated by you because we were, we were sitting next to each other and you were describing your business and we were definitely much more towards the start. And I remember thinking, oh, she sounds like she knows loads more than me. I feel like she knows all the answers. I was like scribbling down some things thinking, okay, I need to, I need, I need to get a bit better at this business thing. Very nice to reconnect two years later. And I would encourage everybody listening to follow Steph, follow Don't Buy Her Flowers. I, I follow them both on Instagram and I like quite like seeing behind the scenes of Steph's world, which um, is fascinating. You get to know maybe some of the people that you've heard about in, in today's podcast. And also you can see behind the scenes of um, her business as well, which is always really interesting to see. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you're inspired to explore how you could develop in different directions, there are lots of free courses and learning on the Government Skills for Life website. We'll put the link in the show notes, but it's just gov.uk forward slash skills for life. And there are so many different things there. I was having a look today before recording the episode and you can do things like basics of coding. You can learn about green skills. The courses and the learning are all run by real experts in their areas. I recognised lots of the universities or the training providers and the majority of the courses can be done remotely. So hopefully free and flexible, which feels like a pretty good combination. But that's everything for today. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you again soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.